Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nate Cashdan. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. How was Thanksgiving? You know what I call this Sunday? Tryptophan Sunday. Sunday after Thanksgiving, everybody's been eating too much turkey. No, but it's good. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. Anybody else favorite holiday? Thanks. Yeah, a couple of y'all. I love it. Absolutely love it. And I know that I've passed that on to my kids because it was evidence last night. I opened the refrigerator and Zoe looked over my shoulder and she said, where is the peach pie? And I said, sweetheart, it's right here. And she said, oh, praise be to God. I'm not making that up. That happened. Oh my gosh. So funny. But she also, Zoe also made me, so if you know me, my favorite part of Thanksgiving is the leftovers. But I make, I make sandwiches for days after. And the sandwich, I make it on regular bread, but it's turkey and then I melt cheese on top of it. And I put stuffing and our sweet potato casserole on top of that. And I, first of all, you got to heat up the turkey, cheese, stuffing, and sweet potatoes, you heat all that up separately, toast the bread, right? When you're done, you put cranberry sauce all over the bread, and then the rest of it inside. Guys, that's the Lord's work right there. Anyways, so Zoe comes to me on Friday afternoon, and she goes, Daddy, do you want me to make you that sandwich you like? She's never done this before. I'm like, yeah, honey, that'd be great. She's like, I can do it. So she asked me, how do you like it? And I told her. So she goes and she makes it and she brings it back. And I cut it open and I ate it. I said, sweetheart, this is better than mommy makes it. <laughs> and she, she went like this. <laughs> and yesterday, daddy, would you like me to make you another sandwich? <laughs> yes, sweetheart. All right. Enough about that. Uh, we're in our last, uh, our last week of this series on motivational gifts that we've been doing. Has this helped anybody? Has anybody discovered a little bit more about what their gifting might Who here knows what, thinks they know what their primary motivational gift might be? Wow, they have several. Okay, good. What are they? No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell. Um, yeah, I'll let you know why you're wrong after, but no, I'm just kidding. This has been really helpful for me, too, and we're going to cover the last two gifts of the seven. I covered the first two uh, a, month, a month or more ago, probably now, of prophecy and serving. And Kyle, a couple weeks ago, did teaching and exhortation or encouragement and giving. And today we're going to do uh, leadership or organizing, kind of those words are used interchangeably, and mercy. The last two, there's seven primary motivational gifts. So hopefully this will help, and then I'll summarize again at the end kind of what the whole point of this whole thing is, So, or the, or the why. I always want to know the why, okay? Let's pray. So God, thank you for um, gifts. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that, uh, that you give them so that we can use them to serve. You give them so we can use them to serve each other. Lord, your word says that. Father, I thank you that you give them strategically, and that no one is gifted by mistake, meaning the carrying around the wrong thing or carrying around the inability to use what you've given because you always provide for what you give. You always provide a way to use what you hand out. And so thank you for backing up 
your word always. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, there'll be some uh, scriptures you can follow along with um, up on the screens as they come up, um, but because we'll just be in a few different places today. But um, Kyle, two weeks ago, Pastor Kyle laid out really nicely a way to look at how we can receive from this teaching. And so that is that, is that the whole point uh, will be to discover what your gift is, right? Be to discover what your gift is would be to understand what it is, how to use it, those types of things, be able to utilize it, okay? So discovery, understanding, and utilization is what he said two weeks ago. I thought it was good, so I borrowed it. There's no copyrights in the kingdom. Now it's mine, so, and it's yours. So we, we, we discover, okay, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 is where we get kind of these Greek words that we've been talking about um, for the different gifts and ministries and working outs of those uh, or effects of those gifts and ministries, it says that there are different diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So that word gifts is charismaton, right? One of the root, the root of there, charis, means grace. The root of that word, car, means joy. And what Kyle submitted a couple weeks ago, and Glenn even uh, last October alluded to this exact same thing, is that, the, is that we one of the key ways that we discover what our primary motivational gift is, is what brings you the most joy, Okay. After I discovered that my gift couldn't be hunting, then I had to go on to the next thing, okay, right? And Zoe's, her gift can't be peach pie. It can't, it's just, it brings her joy, but it's a different thing. So, but because joy leads to discovery, okay? Joy is one of those things when we're experiencing true joy, it's like, right? It gets our attention, right? You know that it does when things excite you. Nate doesn't get excited easily. Glenn makes fun of me. He says he knows I'm excited when I do this, right? Like, Oh, wow. But I, I, I do get excited, right? I, I, my birthday was like four months ago. Kay, I wasn't excited for the birthday. But Kaylee bought me um, a wireless meat thermometer for my Traeger, which I was like, yes. So I, I, because, I mean, that's where we are now, right? You can't walk out to the barbecue to see what temperature your meat is. You need your phone to tell you what temperature your meat is. And my, which I already have, but it's a wired thermometer, which is like so last year. So <laughs> no one says that anymore, I know. But, uh, but anyways, wireless. I'm like, wireless, I, can, I don't have to worry about it. So anyways, she gets it, I use it, totally doesn't work. It's expensive too. Like, you know, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I blah, 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 try to recalibrate, use it again. Doesn't work, ruins a pulled pork. I'm like... Send that thing back. We're getting our money back. This is ridiculous. So we send it back. Like months later, she's like, well, we still have this money. What do you want to get for your birthday? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't need anything, whatever. Anyway, so I'm like, man, I'm looking at, at Buck's website. Buck makes knives. And uh, there's this really nice skinning knife that they make. But they, now they've customized them for you where you can pick out the wood that goes on the handle. And you can pick out, you can engrave them and all these different things. And I was like, Man, you pick what kind of sheath you want for it. And I'm like, man, I need an, a really good skinning knife. And so I, I customized it all or whatever. Anyway, so I get home the other day, and it came. And I was like, Kaylee, you didn't tell me it got here. And she's like, what's wrong with you? Why are you excited all of a sudden? You know, anyway, so I got excited about it. It brought me joy. Anyways, that was a long story. Just to say that when you find, when you're, when you're looking at one of these things, one of these seven gifts, Okay? If you're like, I wonder if my gift is, if my primary motivational gift is giving. Well, is being able to give 
Like when you see the results of your own giving that's done in secret most of the time, does that bring you life like nothing else does? Does that bring you joy like nothing else does? That's a key indicator there. Okay, the next is understanding. So the first was discovery, what's my gift? The next is understanding. We want everyone to understand what it means to have the gift that you have. Okay, what's the practical outworking of it? Do we just have it so that we can have it on our name tag? Stephen Lavaggi, prophet. Like, or, you know, it's, like, it's, not, it's not just a title at all. It has, nothing, has very little to do with that. It has much more to do with what we do with it. Okay, so the better we understand our gift, the better we can get to the third thing, which is utilization. Okay, which 1 Peter 4.10 says that each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. That's faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, okay? So we want everybody to be able to joyfully utilize their gift to be a fully functioning member of the body of Christ, which most of that happens Monday through Saturday, okay? I mean, a lot can happen on Sunday, but this isn't a, hey, I'm, I'm a teacher on Sunday, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Is that if this is a primary motivational gift and the Lord's given you the ability to be able to use it in your contexts, in our contexts of family, of work, of all kinds of different relationships or wherever we're at. All right. Romans 12, chapter, or Romans 12, 6 through 8. This is kind of our key verse as we go into uh, looking at these last two things here now that we've been set up for where we're going. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says that we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement or exhortation, same word there. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead or organize, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And the Message Bible says, and if it's to hunt, hunt successfully. So... All right, so we'll get into this uh, number five or number six gift, organizing or leadership. It's funny, looking at these gifts, it's, when we study them out, I've been reading all this material that Pastor Glenn gave us and some other stuff as well over the last couple months. When you study these out, you can't help but start to think of people who you're like, I wonder if they have this gift, because it starts to explain some things. When you start to break it down, and you're like, I wonder, I wonder. But the, but the thing that you don't want to start doing is start labeling other people, because you may not know what brings them joy. Okay, I'm, I am good at organizing events and things like that. I really am. I'm, very, I'm, I'm good at it. I've done it my whole life. But it's not the primary things that brings me the most joy. I can find joy in it. Because I, I, because I find joy in things I'm good at, but it, it's not the, like, <gasps> the life-giving thing. But I really think that my dad has the, has the motivational gift of organizing and leadership. And I think that's one of the reasons why I can find joy in it, because I learned from him, right? But I look back and I go, man, in every avenue and context of his life, he could make a plan and delegate so that things, the, old, the end goal and end result got done. He, he thought of... And still does. Think of everything. Everything. It, was, it didn't matter if it was a Mother's Day brunch at church that he was putting on or if it was, if it was drawing plans for a quarter-million-dollar kitchen. It didn't matter what it was. He thought of everything, every subcontractor's job, everything that they needed to do, and would write it all on paper to where later in his life he wasn't working in the shop anymore. He, he would do 
all of the plans, all of the procedures and everything from his desk, and then months later be able to walk into the job on the job and it's done. How he drew. And people people would tell me, oh Nate, you did such a good job. I'm like, seriously, I'm the jackass that Jesus rode in on, right? I'm like, I'm like, I took the plans. And I understand that that's an important part, too, being able to take the plans and do something with them, because if not, you're just installing paper in somebody's house, and that's not the... But, like, being able to take the plan... Without the plans, we don't have this. Without the organization and leadership for the project, we don't have an end result. So, anyways, it was really cool for looking at this, uh, at this gift of organizing and leadership. But what it is, and if you have this gift... You provide in helping and inspiring others to fulfill delegated responsibilities. Okay, so it's a, it's, a, it's a gift where sometimes you're not even finding the most joy from being the one that's going and doing every single thing, right? You're, you're not necessarily even hands-on in a lot of stuff, but you have the vision and foresight to be able to see what needs to get done, and then the wisdom and ability to use resources, meaning people and things, and then giving people resources to get their delegated tasks done. And then your joy comes, not just in the process, but then in sitting back and going, look what I did. Right? If it's an event, if it's a whatever it is that's being planned, organized, or led, your joy comes not just in making sure that things are getting lined up and done that need to get done, but in stepping back and going, wow, look what, look what we just accomplished. So anyways, um, we have an example from the life of Jesus. All of these gifts have examples uh, because Jesus had all seven perfectly. Uh, But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus, notice that we don't have any verses. Now again, I can't make a theology out of something the Bible doesn't say, and neither can you, but (laughs) you can try. It's been done, but but. We don't have any recorded verses of Jesus going and calling someone and then being like, nah. He, it, like where Jesus is like, follow me, and they're like, I'm good. Like we know that it happens, right? I mean, it, it, there's people even now, right? Jesus has, there's this general call to salvation for the planet, and people reject him all the time. But his disciples, right, they're fishing, follow me, and they're like, okay. So he, was, he had the ability to inspire men to leave their homes, families, and livelihoods without actually knowing what they were getting into. And we do know from Scripture that they did not know what they were getting into. Do you, I mean, imagine that. Imagine, Karen, if somebody walked up to you and they're like, hey, follow me. Leave Josh. Leave, right? leave, the, leave, leave your, your real estate. No, leave that. No, just come on. And you're like, where are we going? You're like, well, I'm going to make you a broker of men. Right, or like an agent of men, and you're like, this, no, no. Right, I mean, just imagine what these guys felt. But this gift that Jesus carried was enough to inspire these men to follow him. It's amazing. It wasn't just those 12. He had other followers as well, other women, other men that that went. I mean, they weren't his 12 disciples, but that followed him. Um, People who have... The motivational gift of organizing, uh, they find a lot of joy in clarifying long-range goals. Okay, so they, they're looking way down, whether it's for a project or whether it's just even longer term, like, hey, in a few years, we're probably going to need some more infrastructure in this area of the house or in this area of the business or in this area of the church, and really being able to see those goals and find out how to get there, basically being able to organize or lead or delegate 
uh, how to reach those goals. They're really great at coordinating uh, resources that are available to complete a task. Uh, they're, and they're also, you won't find them um, lacking in the time frame of what it takes to complete that task. Meaning, they're gonna, they're, it's like, hey, we ought to meet this goal. And they don't just go like, well, let's just go pray that it happens. You should pray that it happens. But, but they're like, let's get it done now. Like, no wasted time, right? They don't, they don't like to waste time. Uh, people that have this gift, they experience a lot of joy, like I said earlier, when they see the results of what they've planned or organized or led. And they can endure, this is a cool one, they can endure a lot of negative reaction or a lot of negative uh, feedback along the way because their eyes are not on what's directly in front of them. They're not, on, they're not looking at step one, even though everybody else is like, hey, we're on step one. They're looking at step 400, which is the last step. And they're going, it's just necessary for us to get through this, and we will get through it, and we'll get there. They have a very, very bird's-eye view of what they're coordinating, leading, or organizing, and they don't let bad feedback or hurt feelings or whatever stop them. Like, oh, they, people didn't like how I did step one. I probably shouldn't get to step two. They're like, suck it up. We'll get to step two, and everybody will be over it. You know, they're, they're, it's, not, it's not that they have a prideful. It's just they're not shaken by negative reaction, which is necessary. Can you imagine if someone putting together a huge conference for 100,000 people and somebody's like, I can't believe you asked them to speak and not this other person. And they're like, you're right, I'm, not, I'm no good. We shouldn't do this anymore. They're like, tough. When you're in charge, you do it your way. That's what my dad always used to say. Well, when you're in charge, you can do it your way. I'm like, okay, that's fair. Um, these people have, if you have this gift, these people would have great appreciation. Listen to this. Great appreciation when others respect the counsel that these people give them in making major decisions because they recognize the gifting. They recognize the wisdom that comes with this gifting. And they say, hey, I need your, I need your input. I need your feedback. Those people find great joy and would get, feel greatly respected. Uh, when they're sought for for counsel. Now, some of the, um, we just call it negative attention that this gift might draw, uh, or just some things to guard against if this is your motivational gift. If you think your motivational gift might be organizing or leadership, these are for you to listen up. Now listen, these can be, these can be accusations by people that don't understand your gift, okay? People that don't understand it, and they're like, ah, what do you, you're just a control freak or whatever. So they just kind of throw out some accusations, or they could be potential pitfalls that you need to guard against, or both, right? My grandma used to say, well, I've already said jackass once in this sermon, so. <laughs> but she used to say, she was a strong believer in Jesus. It's a biblical word, and you can look. Actually, they don't even use the word jack. But she said, she said, hey. She, listen, she used to say, hey, if somebody calls you a jackass, you can just forgive them. They're having a bad day. But if two people call you a jackass, your ears should perk up a little bit and go, that's probably not a coincidence. But if three people call you a jackass, you can turn around and look for hoof prints. Okay? And so, and, but seriously, so if you, if, you have a, if you have a gifting and you receive, well, listen, if you receive the same negative feedback from multiple people, you can't just keep going, well, it's my gifting. Wow. Well, that's just my gifting. That's just who God made me. That's just, because I, I used to do that. 
People be like, well, you're not very compassionate. I'm like, I don't have the gift of compassion. I've never claimed to have the gift of compassion. I'm not telling you that I'm not working. I'm not compassionate. Oh, you say, that's how God made me. And that's just dangerous. That's just dangerous ground. So when I, when I go through some of these things that might be considered uh, potential negative fit, feedback or potential um, kind of pitfalls, if this is your primary mo- motivational gift, it's not to say like, well, yeah, yeah. It's not, like if you have that attitude of like, well, yeah, of course they're wrong. You know, they don't understand me. We need to look at, we need to go about this with a lot of humility, okay? And if, and if we're starting to get a lot of negative feedback, there might be a character issue there. So, so pay attention to that. That's all I'm saying. All right. Thanks, Grandma, for the good words. Um, sometimes you might be accused of putting God in a box or not relying on the Holy Spirit because you're very involved in planning every little step. Um, when you're coordinating events and resourcing your people, you might be accused of using people, right? Of just seeing people for um, something they can provide. Or, you know, you're just, you're just using me because I have this tool. You're just using me because I have this experience. You, have, you don't care about me. Now, that, could be a, um, that could be a potential accusation. You may, of maybe you get accused of making the project more important than the person. Okay? And if you are making the project more important than the person, it's something to correct. But it can also seem like that if you're not. So just be aware of these things. You might get labeled a perfectionist or a picky person. Uh, you may be told that you're too harsh or that you only do things for selfish reasons, okay? Because you're the person that's in charge usually, so you're the person that's giving orders. And so everybody's like, well, how come they always get what they want, right? So it, it can be a, a thing. Um, some may think that you're too rigid and you need to be more flexible, okay? Um, some may accuse you of thinking that a project can't happen without your opinions, right? Like, and, and if you have that gift in the room, you're like, well, maybe it can't. You know, like, I get it. Um, but you really do need to guard against these things. Some, and some, like I said, some of these accusations in the moment, they might be accurate, and you need to listen to them. But some may be um, just because your gift is misunderstood. And that's one of the things that this teaching is, is aimed to help. It helps to understand each other. If we understand each other more, we can go, oh, like, how, that's how I can support him because he's a teacher. Oh, he's a giver. Oh, their service, oh, their, you know, leadership, organization. The Christ-like attitude that, if this is your gifting, the Christ-like attitude that you can especially aim to have in front of you is one of having a servant's heart, okay? If Jesus, if Christ came to serve and not to be served, then when, especially in the context of leadership and organization, can you aim to always be being a servant, okay? All right. Last one, mercy. If you have a, the mercy gift and you uh, empathize with the weaknesses of others and help them experience God's grace in time of need, okay, this is, this is one of those things where you really want to have a mercy person in your life, okay? You want to have somebody that can empathize because it's not good to be alone. It's not good to feel alone. Um, and, and you guys have all been... Most, most of you have probably been in a situation where you've experienced something hard and maybe somebody will come alongside you and they're like, hey, man, I know how you feel. And you're like, no, you don't. You've actually never experienced that. You, but, and they're, they're, they're just trying to help, right? They, you know, it's, not a, I'm not, it's not a, I'm not trying to gang up on the person that put their arm around you because maybe they're an encourager or an exhorter and they want to put their arm around you. 
That's what encouragers and exhorters do. But the mercy person will be able to discern exactly what's needed in that situation. See, the mercy person will analyze more than the look on your face. The mercy person has a gifting to be able to know uh, exactly what's needed to be said or not said, do or not do, what needs to be given or not given. They're very discerning in very delicate situations. And it takes a, a huge amount of wisdom to be able to use the gift of mercy, especially in traumatic situations. But the ability to empathize with the weaknesses to, so that someone can experience God's grace in a very, very hard time, I mean, what else is needed in a very, very hard time? God's grace. We need it. We need the, the mercy gifting. The example we have from the life of Jesus is beautiful. In John chapter 8, verses 1 through 12, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. In verse 2, it says, At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Now the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses... In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. I just love this, by the way. Absolutely love this. Sometimes I do this with my kids. They come in and they're like, Dad, she did it. And I just bend down and start writing in the ground with my finger. And then they're like, I think something's wrong with Dad. And the... And the problem solved. But listen, Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. And when they kept questioning him, so he was ignoring them. He ignored the question. I mean, he heard it, but he's purposefully not saying anything. He straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who began, who heard, who, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Why? Because they realized they had a lot of sin. A lot more years. The older ones first. Until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Well, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin or go and sin no more. I love this. There's so many reasons I love this story. But in the context for the day, I, I love it because we see Jesus' mercy come out in a really, really big way. I have theories on what he wrote. I have theories on what he did when he squatted down and put his finger in the dirt. But imagine, just put, just go with me on this for a second. This is speculation. Everybody say speculation. But it's not out of character for somebody that has this gifting. And Jesus was, was living in this gift of mercy in the moment. Imagine if you have this mercy gift and this woman walks in who needs mercy, who needs to experience God's grace because she's in this horror. Do you understand? They brought her in. And then the next thing to do was to kill her, right? So, like, she's already been caught in this embarrassing and degrading and just very socially unacceptable sin, and now they're going to kill her. So imagine that. They bring her in. 
And Jesus is flooded with mercy and compassion for her. And then there's these teachers of the law who are trying to trap him in his words. He knows their heart. The Bible says in other places that he discerned the intentions of their heart. He knows what they're thinking. He knows why they've brought her. And they're embarrassing her further. And, try, and they're doing this while Jesus is teaching right? They're doing this in a place where there's supposed to be a culture of mercy and receptivity. Do you know what I think Jesus was doing in that moment? I think he was taking a minute. I think he was counting to 10 and hearing his father because, can, because claws come out with mercy people. Don't think that mercy people just roll over. I believe I'm getting, I want to fight somebody right now. No, I mean, I'm no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm, but think about it. He's like, oh, mercy. And they're like, hey. And they start condemning her and trying to trap him. And they're going against Yahweh. And they're interrupting. And they're doing all this stuff. And you know what I think he did? I think he went, and he had to, I don't think he was writing anything. I think he was taking a minute. So that he could come up and say what needed to be said so that every single person in there could do nothing except walk away. They, all they did was walk away. Did you see that? Until only Jesus and the woman were left. Everybody was like, well, if we throw a stone, it means that I'm claiming to be sinless. If I don't throw a stone, I'm breaking the law of Moses. I'm just going to go home. I love that. <laughs> Worship team, you can come back up. Jesus showed mercy. Stay engaged here. A few things. Um, he showed mercy for this woman um, and gave her no condemnation uh, when everyone else was condemning her. So people with the gift of mercy will have the ability to discern a spirit of joy or distress in an individual or a group. That's just one of the things that comes with the gifting. Um, they'll find great joy in solving disharmony in the spirit rather than working on practical solutions uh, to solve problems. It doesn't mean they don't ever know how to do a practical thing. It means that their joy is found in solving the disharmony in the spirit, okay? Uh, they probably enjoy sharing deep feelings uh, with another person or a group of people. Uh, they react probably a little deeper to criticism from others, and they might tend to close themselves off uh, or close their spirit off from those who try to correct them because there's sensitivity there. Um, and they're often drawn to people who have a need to be loved and accept it, or just who have a need, because they come with something they're able to give and meet that need. Um, some of the possible, remember again, possible negative attention, maybe these are accusations, maybe these are things to guard against, um, are that you might be accused of sharing your feelings too easily or too often, okay, or with too many people. Um, you might overreact to criticisms, taking it personal every time off, someone offers you advice, help, or correction. Uh, you might have tendencies to build walls between people that don't agree with you uh, because they're not merciful, right? And you're merciful. Um, you might have tendencies to try to manipulate them. Uh, you might hear things like, why don't you stop letting your emotions control you? Um, you might be accused of being too lenient or not taking a stand against something that's wrong. Now, the Christ-like attitude, so I'll circle it back to Jesus, the Christ-like attitude 
that you should always have in front of you. Remember, these are things that we should all have in front of us, but especially if this is your gifting, that Christ-like attitude is one of expressing genuine compassion with pure motives, okay? Jesus was never trying to manipulate people with his compassion, ever. He always had pure motives, and he, would, and he always demonstrated genuine compassion. Like this, this woman, the compassion, the mercy that he showed this woman who was caught in adultery, it wasn't a show. He didn't do it to teach the, the, the teachers of the law a lesson. He genuinely had mercy and compassion for her. And, and one of the outworkings of that was it taught everyone else a lesson in the room. But primarily, he, was, he, w- he had this attitude of compassion. And so if you believe that you have the primary motivational, if you believe your primary motivational gift to be mercy, try to remember to always keep that in front of you, the genuine compassion, pure motive of Jesus. The goal of this teaching, the one that Kyle and Glenn and myself have done here, one of the primary goals is to be able to connect more as a church family. If we know each other better, we can connect better. If we know where we're gifted and where we're not, we can get more done. We'd be more, we'd be more effective, right, getting things done. You don't let the mercy person lead the event. But you don't, you don't, let, you don't let the organizer go visit, go visit the woman who just lost her husband. You, do you know what I mean? First, you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a, it's not a, we're not going, hey, here's the list of all of it. These are the only people that are allowed to, we're not making a religion out of it. I'm saying strategically we go, man, Kyle, this person needs exhortation. They need encouragement. You're the, you're the man. They go, Marissa, hey, this event's coming up. You're all over it. I don't even, all I need to do is say, ready, set, go. Here's how much money you can spend. Let, let me know if you need me to help you, right? Like, I, like those are, it's strategic. It's strategic. And then we get more done and people are empowered to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? Out on, you know, when we're out in the middle of the week, we can use these giftings with each other to serve each other and to serve people. When they see the hands and feet of Jesus at work, they see Jesus. Would you stand this morning? going to pray and um, invite up Pastor Glenn to uh, lead our ministry time. And then I think there's going to be some baptisms and um, things like that if you want to stick around. But I just want to encourage you, as if you've missed the first couple um, teachings that we went over, the other, the other gifts, you can go back and listen to them. They're online. But I encourage you to really ask the Lord to show you in the coming days, weeks, months. Lord, show me what is the primary motivational gift that you put inside me? What brings me joy? And then the outworking of those gifts can be in any ministry, okay? In any area. You're not locked in, as we talked about a few weeks ago. But to understand first where it is that he's, what gift he's primarily put in you. To understand that, to, to, or to discover it, and then to understand what it means, what, am, what exactly have I been given? It's like reading the directions when you're given a present. It's like, oh, this is great, but how do I use it? We read the instructions. Ask him to show you. Ask him to teach you. Look at the examples that we've given from the life of Jesus of how he used and demonstrated these gifts. And then step into utilization where you're using these things to, 
build up your brothers and sisters, to build up the body of Christ, make her stronger. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would do just that. Help us to discover, understand, and utilize. Lord, what is the primary motivational gift? What is the gift that you've put inside me that brings me the most joy, Lord, and how can I use it, as 1 Peter says, to serve others? How can I use it, Lord? I don't want to neglect it. I don't want to neglect the gift you've given me. Father, I don't want to foolishly think that I understand how to use something I've had no training in or I, have nothing, I know nothing about. Lord, we need you to teach us. So, Father, I pray that you give each one a grace to discover, if we haven't already, to better understand and to fully utilize the gifts you've given us, Lord, so we can connect more, but also ultimately, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.